All right, I'm going to start reading Philippians chapter 3, verse 3. I'm reading on the New King James Version. <clears throat> this is how it reads. You ready? Come on, we need some more excitement than this. My goodness, you guys struggling tonight. <clears throat> All right, here we go. <clears throat> it says, for we are the circumcision. <sighs> if you don't know what that means, talk to Reed afterwards. Reed will help you out. Reed will talk to you about it. Who worship God in the spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. Say, have. Come on, say, have. No confidence in the flesh. If you live by that, you'll, do, you'll have a good life. That's, that's, a, that's, a, that's one of those verses that It'll help you live a confident life. You want to live confident and have no confidence in the flesh. Because the flesh will let you down. Okay, Paul says, though I also might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised the eighth day. He goes on on all these uh, things that he has, that he possesses, uh, to justify him to be some amazing guy. And... Uh, and so he, he, he goes down these, this list of things from his circumcision to where he was born and, and, and who he was born in, what family he was born in, and uh, what his religion was, and how zealous he was, and how holy he was. And, and then he says, but what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. So he says, I had all those things. I possessed all those things. You want to talk about the best person you want to talk about the most holy person, the person who did everything most right? It was Paul. Paul, by human standards, was probably the most uh, well-off, uh, the most privileged guy that ever really was born next to Jesus. <clears throat> His lineage was ridiculous. It was ridiculous. His lineage was ridiculous. His heritage was ridiculous. But he says, I don't look at my family as my confidence. I don't look at my good deeds to find confidence. I don't look at what I did right or what I did wrong to find confidence. But all things that were gained to me, or rather all those things that I counted to be good for me and my confidence of who I was as a man of God or a woman of God, Paul was a man. But for us who are women in here, well, for you, not us, that'd be weird. <laughs> Promise, I assure you, I am a man. Right, Alan Castle? All right, he's got it. He says, all those things that were gained to me, all those things that qualified me, he says, I count them as loss, that I can gain Christ, that I can gain Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. I count them as poop. I preached a message last year called poop or pearls, right? That I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Key verse tonight, verse 12. Focus here. Listen, this is good. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on. Say, press on. 
but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things. Say those things. Come on, say those things. Forgetting those things which are behind, I reach forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Our message tonight is called, This One Thing I Do. This One Thing I Do. We'll pray and we'll get on with it. Amen. All right, Father, tonight, come on, pray with me. Don't just sit there. Don't just twiddle your thumbs. We just did that for 15 minutes. Pray with me. Father, tonight we thank you for embracing us and for receiving us. God, I just come against a lying spirit. I come against a prideful spirit. I come against... Uh, the spirit that would want to interrupt and destroy what you're wanting to do. And God, I pray for a spirit of faith and expectation to be on our hearts tonight. God, I'm asking you to rain down and pour out your spirit upon us, God, that we'd be encouraged. God, that our hearts would be lit up and the fires that are burning would be aflamed and that fire would be aflamed and stirred up, God, that we would have more passion and zeal and joy. God, those of us who are discouraged or are walking in shame or condemnation, Lord, that you destroy that shame and that condemnation. And God, you'd clothe us with confidence. You'd clothe us with your righteousness, God, that sustains through all hard times and trials and tribulations and falls and failures that we go through. God, I'm asking that your righteousness would clothe us tonight and we'd walk in your freedom and your goodness. Father, we thank you that it's a new year. And we give and commit this year to you and we ask, God, for your direction and your help, God, to live a life that's worthy of the calling that you've called us. Open our eyes tonight, Lord. Let us take another step from glory to glory. Let us move on from the things from behind and press on to what you have for us in this next year. Father, we do bless you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm glad that I'm not just talking to myself when I close my eyes and look to heaven, but that God hears me. You know what I'm talking about? When you pray, God hears you. Don't forget that. Very simple truth, but if you understand that truth, it will change your life. Right, Jeremiah? Man, I was voting for you, bro. I thought you were going to win, man. No offense to David, but you already won last time, man. Should have disqualified him. I thought he was cheating. How was your Christmas? You guys have a good Christmas? I, I enjoyed my Christmas, you know, all the way up to oh, Christmas. All the way up until Christmas, my mom kept asking me, Gabriel, what do you want? I'm thankful for my mom. Anybody thankful for your mom and dad? You know, I'm glad that Santa don't give presents because I've seen people that got presents from Santa, and I saw the presents that I got from my mom, and man, my mom's far better than Santa. <laughs> So I'm thankful that my mom is, is, uh, is the one who gives gifts. And so I, I'm always just, my wife and I, if we don't ask for something for Christmas, we just get a bunch of things we didn't want. So when it comes about November, after Thanksgiving, we're eating turkey, sitting around the dinner table, I start thinking of all those things that I want. And it's not necessarily carnal and worldly. Uh, judge me, I'll hit you after the service. Uh, but really what it is, is I'm just trying to get what I can get. Because they're asking me what I want. If I don't tell them what I want, I'm just going to get something I didn't even ask for. You know what I'm saying? And so I began to make a list. I got it on my iPhone right now. It's one of, my, it's one of the notes on my uh, pages of notes. I have 115 notes on my iPhone, and one of them is gifts. And so my mom asked me, and so almost like every day, 
That's a good phone call when you get a phone call. Gabriel, what do you want for Christmas? Man, that's far better than Gabriel, what did you do last night? When I remember when I was younger, my mom would always ask me a bunch of questions. But I'm thankful that now, when my mom calls me, it's usually to bless me. That's good news. So anyway, so I started thinking about all the things that I wanted. And, and the one thing that came to my mind was, was something that was motivated uh, because my wife uh, wants me to hang up things in our house, like pictures and stuff. And I don't have a DeWalt drill. If you don't know what a DeWalt drill, ask Reed. He'll help you with that too. I wanted a DeWalt drill to drill them, to drill them uh, uh, screws into the wall so I can hang up pictures. Hey, can you turn my mic down a little bit, Tom, or who's ever up there? Thank you. I'm louder and loud. And so, thank you, that's good right there. Uh, and so I asked for this DeWalt drill. It was the number one thing on my list, and it's just, this is what I want, Mom, right here. This is it. Christmas comes. And I got everything but the DeWalt drill. I remember, <laughs> that's horrible. I remember saying, Mom, no, I didn't say it. That would have been horrible. I, I couldn't have said something like that. But I, I did think about saying something like, Mom, I got everything but what I wanted. But that would have been wrong and prideful. And I'm sure one of you did it here. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm sure somebody did it. But that was the one thing that I wanted. And I, and I, and I, and I didn't get it. You know, the whole time up to Christmas during all of December, I kept hearing God ask me a simple question as well. And that question was, Gabriel, what do you want? You're like, Gabriel, that's what your mom was saying. I know, it's weird. It's what God was saying to me too. Gabriel, what do you want? And it wasn't one of those It's like I heard on the radio, God wants to know what you want. No, but it was like, I'm laying down in bed at night and I couldn't sleep for hours because all I could hear was God asking me over and over again, Gabriel, what do you want? You mean God speaks? Yeah, God speaks. Anybody say amen to that? Amen. So I'm laying there in bed and I keep hearing, Gabriel, what do you want? And that stunned me, you know. I didn't know. You asked me 10 days ago, I don't know what I would have told you. I told some people, I said, God's asked me what I want, but I don't know what to tell them. I know what to tell them, this, this, and this. So I began to think of all the things that I might want. As I thought about my family, and as I thought about my wife, and my son, and friends, and salvation, I began to realize that everything that my heart's desire was for, I already had. That I was already so blessed, and I was already content to a measure with what God has already given me. I thought, man, I want a wife that's bodacious and off the charts beautiful and a woman of God. And I realized, man, there's a check on that one. I thought, I want a handsome son that's called and anointed with a purpose from God. Let's check on that one too. Gabriel, you sure? Yes, I'm sure. My son's called. I can't wait to see. He's crying right now. He's saying amen. Started thinking about my friends. God, I want friends. But I realized that I have friends. Praise God. Some of you don't. This is a good place to find friends. Amen? About three of them said amen. Amen? I began to, to, to think and ponder of all the things that I might want. For a whole month, I kept hearing the Lord say, Gabriel, what do you want? And I knew that it was one of those things that whatever I asked of God to give me, he would grant me. The, script, the scripture kept coming to my mind that you have not because you ask not. You heard that scripture before? It's in James. 
You have not because you ask not. Ask and it will be given to you. Ask and you will receive. And so I began to think, Lord, what do I want? It's Christmas time. And I'm expecting that the Father of all blessings is wanting to give me something. And I know that if whatever I ask, he's going to give me. I didn't want to just ask for something petty. And I didn't want to ask for something I didn't really want. I didn't want to lie to God and say, God, I asked for this, something that sounds all holy and righteous, but it wasn't what I really wanted. I wanted to be real. I wanted to be authentic. If what I wanted was a, was a Rolex and I wanted to say, well, Lord, honestly, out of all the things that I want, I want a Rolex. But it's not what I wanted, so I began to think more and ponder and pray and say, God, I don't know what I want, so I want you to help me. Show me what I really want because I want to ask you for what I want because I know that when I ask, you're going to give me what I want. So I didn't know. I, I, I didn't know until, until last night, honestly. Struggling, you know. Lord, Christmas has already passed. You're still going to bless me? Lord, you know, it's already a new year. Are you going to give me, you're still going to give me what I want? You know, I, I didn't want to ask the Lord for something if I didn't really want it. Because I knew he was speaking to me and I didn't want to be fake with him. You know, I, God doesn't want you to be fake with him. If you want a donut, just ask for it. Reed, I love you, man. So it was last night. I said, Lord, I hadn't answered you yet. I was by myself in my house, and I felt the Lord beckoning me, calling me to come be alone with him. So I did. I, I went away, and I started pouring out my heart to him. I began to think of our city. I began to think of this past year, and since I've been leading this youth ministry for two years, going into this third year of, of wanting to fulfill what God's called me to. And I, I, I started thinking of every one of you. And some of you, those who this past year have really stepped up and others, you're still sitting in mediocrity, you're still sitting in shame, you're still sitting in guilt, you're still sitting in condemnation, you're still sitting in fear. I began to think of you. I began to think of all the lost souls in our city and all the hurting and all the broken people at Hanshu Middle School and South High School and UAA. I began to think of the broken people that walked through Moose's Tooth. Though they cook good food, bless God, they're hurting and broken. I began to think of the people that I see in the mall and the people I see in the stores. And I realized that I had so much by God already. But there was something that I didn't have that I wanted more than anything. I wanted this city. I want this city. I want Anchorage. I said, Lord, I know what I want. I want Anchorage. I want this city. I want every soul. I want every school. I want every family. 
every politician, every broken and hurting person, every drug addict, every sick person, depressed person, oppressed person. I want every single soul in this city. That's what I want. That's what I want. I don't want that because I'm a good person and I just decided one day to want that. I want that because God has put a burden on my heart for this city. And so I responded to that burden that was on my heart and I said, Lord, I'm asking for that which you've already given me. I'm asking for that which you've already given my generation. Do you hear what I'm saying? Lord, I'm asking for that which you have already given us. I'm asking for this city. And there may be some who say, well, Gary, that's a big vision. I just say to you, shut up. Because I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to let go. I'm not going to stop trying and praying and calling and asking of God until this city is turned upside down for Jesus. I'm not going to stop preaching. I'm not going to stop praying and asking of God. I'm not going to stop telling people to get out of their sin and leave their mediocrity. I'm not going to stop living a life for God until this city is turned upside down. And when this city is turned upside down for Jesus, then I'm going to move on to the villages. And I'm going to move on to the rest of Anchorage. And when this state is one for Jesus, I'm going to head down south to the rest. Do you hear what I'm saying? I'm going to move into the United States of America. And I'll go to the rest of this world until the day that I die. Until my heart is poured out unto God like a drink offering where I have nothing left. I'm going to give it my all because that's what I want. I said, Lord, I know what I want. And I'm asking for that which I want. I'm asking for this city. That's the first step, Lord. I'm asking for the schools. And though there may be some who have fear and those who may not have faith, but God, I'm going to have faith and I'm going to ask for this city. I'm going to have faith and I'm going to ask for South High School. I'm going to have faith and I'm going to ask for UAA. Though there may be some walking on that campus questioning and fearing what people may say to them if they talk about the truth and if they live right for God, I don't care if they crucify me. I'm going to talk about Jesus and preach his name until that school is turned upside down for Jesus. I know what I want. And I said, Lord, that's my, that's my focus. My focus is that one thing. My focus is this city. I'm tired of getting focused on what I've done in the past and the things I have done and the things I haven't done. All I have is right now. There's two days on my calendar. It's this day and there's that day. That day is a day that Jesus embraces me into his kingdom and I stand before him face to face. And this day is the only day that I got. I'm not guaranteed tomorrow. I have right now. And right now, I'm going to live a life for Jesus. I'm going to live a life of faith and conviction. I'm going to live a life of love. I'm going to lay my life down for him. And as I say this, something is stirring in your hearts right now because you know it's on your heart because it was put into this generation from the day that you were born. You can't ignore the call of God on your life. And I'm here tonight to say this to you, that you would wake up and arise as a generation and take this city because our God has called you to do such a thing. No, but we, but we question. Even now, some of you questioning. It's big talk, Gabriel. Yeah, it's big talk. I serve a big God. And I stand in his word. I don't talk cheap. I talk what the scripture says. Jesus says. God says. The Father says. The Holy Ghost says. Ask for the nations. He asks us to ask for the nations. And so I say, Lord, I respond to you. And I say, God, I ask for the nations. But first, I ask for my city. 
And you know what? I'm not, I'm not in that place where I'm saying, hey, guys, come follow me. Come, come follow this, this, this radical vision. But I stand in a place where I say, don't just be a follower. I'm asking you that you would step out with me. Not following me necessarily, but stepping out with me and being a leader in this generation with me. Do you hear what I'm saying? Come on, do you hear what I'm saying? I want this city. I said it before. I'll say it again. My goodness, I'm thankful for what God has done. But I'm going to go on the whim. I'm going to go out on the limb and say, God, give me this city. You know what he said? You want to know what he said? I'll tell you what he said, and you can believe it or not. I'm going to believe it. I'm going to bet my life on it. He said, Gabriel, I give you this city. He said, Gabriel, I give this city to your generation. I give this city to Abilute Community Church. But as he told me, you know what I was doing? I wasn't believing. He said, Gabriel, I give this city to the church of Anchorage. Come on, you hear what I'm saying? He said, Gabriel, I've already given it to you. But as he was saying this, and as I heard him, I was silenced. And honestly, I had fear. And I didn't want to believe because it was too big for me. So he asked me, Gabriel, are you going to respond? So, Lord, I don't know what to say. He said, just say yes. I take this city. So I sat there for about five minutes. Because I know that's a big thing. You guys heard of Elijah and Elisha? You guys heard of them? Elijah was getting ready to die. And Elisha asked for something. He asked for her double portion of Elijah's anointing. And so Elijah gave him. But before he gave it to him, he said, you asked for a hard thing. You asked for a hard thing. I knew that if I asked for this city and if I embraced the call of God on my life and on our life for this city, that it wasn't going to be an easy thing. And I knew that if I embraced that and I said, yes, Lord, I'm going to do that, that it wasn't going to be something easy. It was going to be something that cost my life. It cost my tears, my sweat, and my blood, and my prayers. It cost sleepless nights. It would, it, would, it would cost trading something that I really wanted to do for something that was really most important. It would cost relationships, friendships. It would cost people thinking that I was prideful. And I didn't really care. And I still don't. It's only been one day, but praise God. It was going to cost a lot. And I said, yes, Lord. I embrace it. And I said, give me the city. What do you want? What's on your heart? What has God burdened you with? What's that vision, that dream that God has put on your heart? God is not a human. This is in Numbers. That he should lie. He's not a human being that he should change his mind. Does he speak? And then not act, does he promise and not fulfill? I'm telling you that God is not going to delay in fulfilling that which he has promised. I'm telling you that, that that vision that God has placed in your heart, 
God is not going to delay. He's not going to give up until he sees that thing fulfilled. Do you hear what I'm saying? Come on, there's about two of you. Do you hear what I'm saying? I'm challenging you tonight that you would stop sitting in your slumber and that you would step up. Do you know that you only live one time? And are you going to live this one time in fear or are you going to live this one time with faith and expect of God and call on God and walk with joy and, you know what I'm saying, walk with confidence? What is that thing God's put on your heart? What is that vision he's put on you? Gabriel, but I haven't seen it come to pass. Don't give up. Don't let go. Don't let your hope be deferred. Well, God's called me to lay hands on the sick and get healed, and I haven't seen it happen. Don't give up. Don't be discouraged. You can either respond to the current circumstances and the current situation, or you can respond to what's already been purchased for you. And I'm telling you tonight that this city has been purchased for Christ and for his people. That's a big statement. I know we serve a big God. Philippians 3 is an outline of Paul and his life and the things that he counted as loss that he could gain Christ. The things that he let go of, the things that he neglected, the things that he forsook, that he could take hold of, that he could apprehend, that he could receive, that he could grasp. The things that God gave him. And that he could grasp Christ himself. Jesus himself. It's a list of things that we must forsake. In order to embrace what God has called us to. Do you want this city? I'm asking you. Not rhetorically. I'm asking you. Leaders. You're part of this ministry. We're going one place. We're going one direction. We're not going to sit. If you're going to sit in your fear, then stay home. But where we're going is to see this city turned upside down. That's where we're going. And that's where we're starting 2011 out with. God, give us this city. Come on, ask him right now. God, give us this city. South Anchorage, East Anchorage, West Anchorage, North Anchorage. The central, all of Anchorage. I want this city. It's going to hurt. You're not going to be able to do the little petty things that you want to do. But my goodness, you live once, and I'm set, and God is setting an offer out there for you, and either you go or you stay. It's not too late. What are those things? Verse 5 of Philippians 3. Paul says, he gives a list of all these things, and then he says, These things I, that were gained to me, I've counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed I count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ. We must first, as we start this adventure, as we start a life, and as we start a year, to see God fulfill that which he has given us, we must start with one thing, and that is no confidence in our flesh. What does that mean? I'm talking about your pedigree. What is that? Your heritage, your family tree, your background. Don't find confidence in your last name. Gabriel, that doesn't sound very uh, biblical. It is very biblical because Paul 
And this passage shows us that he could have found confidence in his last name and in his heritage, but he says, I'm not going to find confidence in my last name. Some of you find confidence in your last name, and some of you will never even say your last name because you're afraid of what people think. Your heritage, the family you're born in, your background. Don't find confidence in that. Your strengths. How many of you got strengths in here? You're good at certain things. Don't find your confidence. Don't find your pride in those things. If you want to grasp and if you want to take hold of that which Christ has given you, if you want to take hold of this city and take hold of the calling that God has put on your life, then you must neglect and forsake confidence in your own strengths or abilities. Don't find your confidence in the status that people say you're in. Well, that person's a cool person. He, he, he's the holy one. That's, that's, a, that's, a high, that's a high phrase. Man, this person, this person, they're, they're always quoting scripture. They're, 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 they're amazing. Or maybe they say things about you like this. You're just a jerk. Don't find your confidence in what people say about you. Don't put your confidence in your status. You hear what I'm saying? Don't put your confidence in your physique. You've heard me say this so many times. Well, I would have prayed today, but, you know, I didn't take a shower. And I haven't worked out in months. And I, and I haven't been on that treadmill in a long time. And I'm just, I'm just, I'm overweight. And I, I'm, there's some of us in here right now that that is your problem. I'm not saying stay in the situation where you're unhappy with the way you look. But I am saying don't find your confidence in the way you look. You hear what I'm saying? Don't find your confidence in your physique. And how good looking or bad looking you look. Because my goodness, it'll let you down. Moses was an old man, guarantee he wasn't good looking. Dude was 80 when he was walking through the wilderness. But he had confidence. When you forsake your prides, when you forsake all those things that you find your confidence in, you are then able to embrace that which God has for you. I guess the question is, are you willing to embrace that? The question is, are you willing to embrace that which Christ has asked for you to do? Verse 9, and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. Not only must you neglect all the things that you find your confidence in, but you must also neglect your former life. You must also neglect and get rid of and forsake your faith in the good deeds, the good things you've done, or the bad things that you have done. Look, you can't find your confidence in how good you are or how bad you are. Because how many of you know we make mistakes daily? But we must find our confidence in what Jesus has done for us. And I'm saying something that if, 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 if you would embrace for but a moment, your life would be different. I'm saying this, this simple phrase, your faith in the righteousness, in the right standing before God. 
That simple phrase, if you put your faith in that and live by that on a daily basis, you live a life of confidence. Gabriel, I want to be confident. And I tell you to stop putting your faith and stop putting your confidence and how good you are or how good you're not or comparing yourselves amongst other people and how good they are or how good they're not. But put your faith in what Jesus has accomplished for you, making and establishing you as somebody who is righteous, somebody who is holy. Do you know that when you put your faith in Jesus, God establishes you and confirms you as just as righteous as Jesus? Yeah, I said it. When you put your faith in the Christ, you are just as righteous as Jesus. How can I say that? Because God the Father accepts nothing less than the righteousness of Jesus. And so you're not accepted into God unless you're just as righteous as Jesus. And do you know that you have the opportunity to be just as righteous as Jesus just by simply accepting and having faith in that he is your Savior and your Redeemer. And at that faith, you become just as righteous as Jesus. You want to live a life of confidence? Stop putting your confidence and your faith in what you have done or haven't done. Put it into what Jesus has done. Amen? That's something that all of us can have, no matter your background, no matter where you came from. Paul murdered Christians. We don't actually know if he actually with his own hands killed them, but we do know that he carried them, the people that killed them. A dude wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, arguably the smartest man ever. Dude was smart. And he built the church. And he wrote to all these cities who beforehand didn't know Jesus. But because he put his confidence in Jesus, as he says here, be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from keeping good things, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. Verse 10, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. We have to forsake all else in order to gain what Christ has for us. You have to be willing to forsake. I'm, 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 not, I'm not lowering a standard here in 2011 to make you feel better about yourself. I'm drawing a line, the scripture says. And I'm saying, are you going to come or not? Well, Gary, I'm going to do it by myself. I don't really need the church. The devil's a liar. Well, maybe not here. Well, well, then find a church then you can trade your life for. You know what I'm saying? Find some people that you can trade your life for and with. And get over your pride. And get over yourself. Well, nobody ever talks to me. I'm sorry. Woe is you. We'll throw a party after the service for you. I'm sorry nobody talks to you. Go talk to somebody. Go find a friend. There's a calling on your life. There's a purpose that God has put inside of you. 
God has a plan for you. Why would you let what somebody said to you or what somebody didn't say to you keep you from accomplishing that thing? Paul says in verse 12, I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. I'm talking big currently myself, and I want you to know that I don't think I'm there yet. I'm not saying that I have neglected everything yet. I'm not saying that I have achieved every victory and every, every purpose that God has in store for me. I'm not saying that I'm there yet. Paul, who lived a great life, and it was toward the end of his life when he writes this. The dude had built churches after churches, been, been beaten to death. Actually, they actually think he actually died and came back alive. He was shipwrecked. He was stoned, beaten, whipped, flogged. And seen thousands of people get saved. Lived a crazy, amazing life for Jesus. And he says, I'm not there yet. I'm not, and I want you to know that as I say these things, I'm not saying that I'm there yet and come be like me. I'm not saying that I've achieved all those things. All that I'm saying is that I'm not there yet, but I'm pressing on. I know I got, still got struggles and I still have things in my heart and my life, but I'm not going to let those things keep me from accomplishing what God has for me. He says, I'm going to lay hold of those things because Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. You know what that means? He says, I'm going to do all that God has called me to do. And I'm going to fulfill all those things that God has asked of me. Because Christ has me in his hand. Do you know that Jesus has you in his hand? Do you know that Jesus has already purchased you? He has already established you. See, the things that we're doing, the things that we're accomplishing in this life, it's not trying to get something that isn't already ours. It's getting that which is already yours. There, there is a city that is already yours. There is a vision that has already been given to you, but your job is not to sit, sit back on what you haven't done or have done. Your job is to say, Lord, that's my calling, and you have me in the palm of your hand, and I'm going to press on until I receive, and I walk in all that you have for me. Paul says, this one thing I do, this one thing I do, I forget those things that are behind, and I press on, I reach forward, to those things which are ahead. I neglect and I forsake and I stop focusing on those things which are behind me. This past year, the failures that you, that you committed, the things that you didn't do and the things that you did that weren't good, the good things that you did, Paul says, I forget everything that is behind me. I forget everything. Are you going to forget everything that is behind you? And stop thinking about the dumb things that you did last year and last week and last night. But Gabriel, I've done this before and I just fell again. Well, then get up again. A righteous man falls seven times and gets up again. Get up again. Not because you're a good person, but because Jesus is a good person and he lives in you and has established you and has made you a son. He has made you a daughter. He has confirmed that. You're seated in heaven for crying out loud. 
forgetting those things that are behind. And I reach forward to those things which are ahead. I reach forward to the blessings that Christ has for me. I reach forward to the visions that God has given me. And I reach forward to eternity and to knowing Jesus Christ more personally and intimately. I reach forward to all those blessings. What blessings are you talking about? I'm talking about joy. Gabriel, I didn't have a joyful life last year. That's fine. You got another year. And it can be yours if you forget yesterday, stop living from yesterday, and establish today. You hear what I'm saying? Establish today as a day that I am going to have joy. But my, my family situation's tough. And, and did you ever hear about the guy named Stephen? The dude was stoned to death. And as he was being stoned, he looked at heaven, smiled, thanked God, and praised him as he was being stoned to death. I don't care about your circumstances, your situation. Come, and I will pray for you and encourage you. But you have a God who lives in you and is for you and who has given you a blessing of joy. And don't let yesterday keep you from joy. Don't let yesterday keep you from God's peace for you. You hear what I'm saying? The blessing of peace is yours. God's love is yours. God's mercies are yours and new every morning. God's forgiveness for the things that you do are yours every morning. Don't forget and don't neglect God's blessings. Embrace them today. What are those visions? You don't know what my visions are for this year? I want to get into more schools this year. That's what Reed, Reed Anderson, his wife's vision is for this year. Getting into more schools. What does that mean? Building influence into more schools. You know what my vision is for this year? I'm going to get inside UAA. I want, I want to have a, a, a worship service on campus at UAA where we worship God and we preach the Bible and we see people get saved and turned upside down. That's what I'm, that's, that's that thing. That's one of those things that I'm looking forward to this year. I want to see small groups arise on campus at UAA. That's one of those things that I'm reaching forward to. I forget what is behind. And I'm looking for leaders that will lead small groups on campus at UAA. I'm looking for leaders that will be evangelistic and, and live life with people and make friends on campus at UAA. And see them come to know Christ. I'm talking about getting into more schools like, like, like every middle school eventually and every high school. I want to have so much influence in this city that the elementary schools are saying, can you please come hang out with these kids? But that's not possible unless leaders step up. Not followers. I'm not asking for followers. If you want to follow, don't come. The honest truth is the best leader is a follower of some leader, right? But my point is that I'm not looking for people who just want to follow every little command. I'm asking for people who will rise up and step and go with me. Yes, following me, but following me as a leader, not just a follower. Yes, there's a high call tonight. If you're like, Gary, I don't know if I can do that. I say to you, the devil's a liar. and There's not one person in here that cannot, who cannot not do that. There's a calling on you to be a leader. And maybe others have told you something different. Maybe your friends or your teacher or your parent or your authority figure has told you something different. And I stand again and say the devil's a liar. And you have a calling on your life to be a leader for God. Come on, somebody say amen. You seriously do. I'm talking about more 
things that I'm looking forward to this year. I'm talking about small groups, high school girls, small groups that will arise in this youth ministry where, where women who feel called of God to shepherd girls and trade their life for them would arise in this youth ministry and start shepherding and caring for people. I'm talking about guys who want to shepherd and care for guys in this small group, high schoolers, junior high schoolers. Those are the things. I want to see multiple small groups up and arise so that every single person in this church, every young person is being cared for. You hear what I'm saying? You hear what I'm saying, Reed? I'm talking about worship leaders that worship with confidence. What are those things that I'm looking forward to, that I'm reaching forward to, that I'm pressing on with? Those things that Seth Roberts and Elena Roberts and the leaders in this ministry, Reed and Mariah and Andrew and Cameron and so many others in this ministry, the things that we're pressing on toward, we're not looking for things to happen. We're looking for leaders to step up. Come on, we're looking for leaders to step up, to answer the call, not the call of GM, the call of God. I'm not going to serve the call of GM. I'm going to serve the call of God. And that's to build this ministry. And that's to see this city turned upside down. I love that phrase, turned upside down. Like an upside down cake. Would you stand with me?